see how this goes. You get to see how much of a blubber bag I am. Um, I cry like a baby. So, um, There's been a couple of songs that have been on my heart lately. Uh, most recently since the middle of November. Um, and... Uh, me and Pastor thought it'd be um, just an interesting idea to kind of give you the backstory and to uh, maybe do these songs today. Um, so, for those of you who don't know, I went to the hospital November 14th, just not feeling good, and they found out my appendix had ruptured, and so uh, they took me to the ER. They were going to try to take it out, but they found out that it was worse than it uh, they had reason, originally thought it was, and I didn't write anything down because. Um, I'm such a crybaby that if I start crying, I won't be able to read it anyway. So I'm just going to try to kind of wing this, and we'll see how it goes. Um, and so they couldn't get it out because they couldn't even get to it. When they tried to, they had released all the infection into my body. And so they said it had been ruptured for about two months. So I was lucky to be alive already just by being able to go to the hospital. And then um, after the infection had been released like that, um, lucky to be here today, but uh, while I was in the hospital the first three days, it was really, sorry, and my mom and dad over there, that's hard, Um, those were really hard days for me, Um, but especially towards Friday, and uh, I didn't know if I was going to get to go home, and uh, didn't know if I was going to make it. And, uh, sorry, I'm shaking like a baby, too. Um, those were really rough days. And, uh, I was hurting, and I was technically dying, and I couldn't breathe, and my blood pressure had hit like almost 190 over 120, and I was afraid I was going to have a stroke or a heart attack, and, uh, it was terrifying, and I was just in pain and suffering and dying laying there, and, uh, I really struggled with that for a while, um, but uh, Thursday, I know most people here know Perry Case, uh, but if you don't, he's an awesome guy, a great friend, and a really good musician, but uh, he had posted a video of this first song, and uh, it's called To the Table, and I just, I listened to him playing this on Facebook, Friday was one of the first days I could actually hold my phone um, and uh, try to do anything on it, Caitlin was sending all my messages for me, and uh, he was singing this song on Facebook and uh, says, the chorus says, bring it all to the table. It's nothing he ain't seen before. For all your sin and your sorrow and your sadness, there's a Savior. And he calls, bring it all to the table. And uh, verse 3 says, he can see the weight you carry, the fear that holds your heart, but through the cross you've been forgiven. You're accepted as you are. And uh, it, that broke me that Friday because I realized how selfish I was being laying there thinking, God, why could you let me sit here and hurt for these three days this much, lay here dying and have, um, we didn't have the best care for those three days. And so um, thinking, you know, how could you let me have this care that's just letting me lay here and die? They won't give me help for my breathing, won't give me help for my heart or anything, and uh, wouldn't give me much for pain. And so I was was really struggling with that. And uh, I heard that song and I just felt so selfish because of the pain that I felt there was nothing at all in comparison to what Christ suffered for all of us. But then also for me, as I'm laying there, a crybaby, and here a crybaby. But uh, 
Then the second song was one that I've been listening to since we went to Tennessee. Um, me and Caitlin are big Shane and Shane fans, and uh, that's widely known. Um, but uh, they have a song called Though You Slay Me. And uh, I love that song, and I wanted to find a way to push it and play it, but it, nothing ever happened where it would be the right time to do it. And so back pedal while I was in the hospital and this come to the table and this um, just hit me so hard and then for whatever reason the rest of the time I sang this song Though You Slay Me and the lyrics um, for the chorus say Though you slay me yet I praise you Though you take from me I will bless your name Though you ruin me still I will worship Sing a song of the one who's all I need So I will try to get through this We'll see This is to the table There's a chair that waits for you And a friend who understands Everything you go through But you keep standing at a distance In the shadows of your shame But there's a light of hope that's shining Won't you come and take your place To bring it all to the table It's nothing he ain't seen before for all your sin, all your sorrow, and your sadness, there's a Savior and He calls. Bring it all to the table. He can see the weight you carry and the fears that hold your heart. Through the cross you've been forgiven You're accepted as you are To bring it all to the table It's nothing he ain't seen before For all your trust, all your worries and your burdens this is Savior and cause Bring it all to the table Bring it all Come on in, take your place There's no one Turn away all you sinners, all you saints, come right in and find 
let your grace all morning to take your place. There's no one who's turned away. And all you sinners and all you saints, come right in and find your grace. Bring it all to the table. It's nothing he ain't seen before. For all your fear, all your sorrow and sadness, there's a Savior and cause. Bring it all to the table. For all your sin. All your sorrow and your sadness, there's a Savior and He calls, bring it all to the table. I think you've heard this one before. If you know it, please sing it. I come, God, I come, return to the Lord, the one who's broken, the one who's torn. Me apart, struck me down to bind me up. You say you do it all in love, that I might know you in your suffering. Know you slay me, yet I will praise you, though you take. Fill the earth will give way with my eyes, with my eyes, I see the Lord lifted high upon that day. Behold the Lamb that was slain, and I know that every tear was worth it all. You're still more than I need. 
for me Your love for me Tim for sharing that testimony and those songs and and uh, we're so thankful for how God has spared you and uh, sustained you and uh, we give him the glory for that and and uh, by the way we're we're very thankful to have Tim and Caitlin both here in our church family y'all been doing a wonderful job serving us. Well, right now I'm going to ask our ushers that are helping this morning with the morning offering if they would come and as they're coming uh, I want to remind you about the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. The children can be dismissed for Children's Church at this time. Uh, they're going to Children's Church. The Lottie Moon Christmas offering we're collecting right now to help support the International Mission Board. That's a special offering, so we encourage you to give above your tithe as the Lord would have you give to support missionaries along with many other Southern Baptist churches around the, around the world. So you give as you feel led to that. So you guys come on and take our morning offering. We appreciate that.
using your talent for the Lord this morning. Amen. Let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Now I'll begin reading at verse 26. I want to ask you to stand again in the honor of the reading of God's Word this morning. If you don't have a Bible with you today, there should be a Bible underneath the chair you're sitting in or close to you. Luke chapter 1 in the New Testament. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Verse 30. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Verse 34, And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let's pray together again. Almighty God, we come again this morning. We, we would ask again, Father, stir in us. Stir in us our hearts for you. and Grant us spiritual eyes and spiritual sight this morning of things that of things that are not natural for us to see. Things that would affect our hearts and bring glory to you by the side of it. We ask God that you would work now in us for your name's sake. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You can be seated. I find it challenging anytime Christmas comes around and often Easter to preach messages around this time of year because we're so familiar with these stories. Isn't it interesting that some of the things that we are most familiar with often become less fascinating for us because we're so familiar with them. And sometimes the the temptation for us is maybe as preachers or even teachers in Sunday school classes to be overly insightful and share things that have not been heard before, but most likely uh, we're on... Uh, unshaky ground if we start sharing things that have never been seen before in the text. But as we come here before this morning, my prayer is not to share something with you you've not heard before, but to share this truth with you that hopefully you already know that will stir your hearts. Because of familiarity, maybe your heart is not stirred with the good news of Christ coming as it should be. So this morning, as we look at this passage of Scripture, we, we remember that the angel Gabriel come. I hope you do. I hope you know that the angel Gabriel is the one that appeared to Elizabeth and told Elizabeth, which was related to Mary, that, that Elizabeth in her old age, who had never had children, was going to have a child. Of course, we know his name would later be John the Baptist. His father uh, did not believe that this could 
possibly happen in his old age. And so he was not allowed to speak until John was born. But then six months later, we find in verse 26 that this same angel Gabriel comes and he appears to Mary, a young lady, a virgin, never been with a man. We don't know how old she was, but we could have been a preteen at this point. We're not, we're not sure. But he comes to Mary. It says in verse 27, betrothed to a man who was Joseph. So she was pledged to a man to be married. And that day to be betrothed to someone, of course, was to be legally engaged to someone. And to break that commitment, that contract, would almost be like the same as getting a divorce. She was about to be married to Joseph, but of course wasn't married, had not come together. And that's one of the key things, isn't it? That Mary and Joseph had not yet had sexual relations. They were not together. They were not married. And they were. she was, of course, a virgin. And when the angel comes and appears to her and startles her, like any of us, we will be startled and says to her about what this type of child will be. We look in chapter 1, verse 35, if you look at your Bible. And the amazing thing that stuck out to me in this passage of Scripture when I was reading through it is that this child will be born will be called holy. Now, how many of you, when you look at your children or your grandchildren, the thing that comes to mind to describe them would be, my child is holy. My grandchildren are holy. Maybe sometimes we might look at them when they're sleeping and say, my what little angels. And at other times, my what little monsters or big ones. (laughs) It really depends on what's going on at the time. It depends upon their behavior because, in fact, they are not holy. They are not a cut cut above us or, or anybody. We may love them more. They may be more special to us than anybody. They're grandma's little angels in that sense, but they are not perfect. They are not without a sin nature. But yet, the angel Gabriel says to Mary about the baby that she will have that he shall be called holy. And why is that? Look at your Bible in chapter 1, verse 35 again at the first part of it. The angel said, answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. The word therefore in that verse is extremely important. It's telling you the reason he should be called Holy. The reason is, is the first part of the verse. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, in light of that, that's why he should be called holy. Because God is doing something here. He's not ever done in the birth of anybody else, ever on the face of the earth. Because of this virgin birth that's going to take place, he will be called holy. And so, the question this morning is the title of the message, What Child is Called Holy? I want to give you three answers for that and then share some application. Number one, the first reason, what child is called holy? This child who is called holy, this child who is called holy is the Savior of men. He's the Savior of men. That's the reason he's holy. No one else can save man. Man cannot save themselves, right? We cannot be our own Savior. We need someone else to do that. This child should be called holy because he's the Savior of men. Look at your Bible in chapter 1, verse 31. Notice what it says. Verse 31, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. The reason I say that he's the Savior of men is because, of course, the Bible says that. And we look in verse 31, and you see his name will be called Jesus. 
that could also be Joshua. But it literally, Jesus' name means the Lord saves. The Lord is the Savior. The Lord is salvation. That's what the name Jesus means. So when put yourself in Mary's shoes, so to speak. She's hearing the angel say this. His name should be called the Lord is salvation. That's what his name's going to be called, Mary. Mary, his name should be called the Lord is salvation. The Lord saves. He's the Savior of men. Now, it presents a question for us to be this, or an explanation for us, really. To be the Savior of men, He must be holy. He must be sinless. So I've already spoken about that this morning. He must be sinless. Lambs were taken in the Old Testament, bulls and so forth. And, and when they took those lambs, uh, for example, a lamb, they would look for defects. You couldn't just bring uh, the crippled lamb. You all know this, hopefully. And, and they had to bring something that from their stall that uh, did not have any imperfections, didn't have any blemishes. And that could be offered up to God as a sacrifice, but that could not take away sin. So when Jesus comes on the scene, beginning his earthly ministry, and John the Baptist looks upon him and says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world must be holy. He must be sinless. But babies are born in sin. They have a sin nature. They don't become sinners. They're born sinners. And Jesus is going to be born as a baby. So what's going to prevent Jesus from having a sin nature like any other baby? He's going to be born of a virgin. Again, verse 31, chapter 1, verse 35, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will ever overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy. The reason he's holy, the reason he doesn't have a sin nature, is because he's born of a virgin. He's, she's conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. There's no transmission of sin. He doesn't inherit a sin nature through Joseph, because Joseph is not his biological father. Right? He doesn't have a biological father. So he doesn't inherit a sin nature through Joseph. How does he not inherit a sin nature through Mary then? She's a sinner. Some would say otherwise, but they're wrong. Mary has a sin nature. She is not sinless. She was not conceived in some sinless state. It's because the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Holy, the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy. It is the work, the power of the Holy Spirit overshadowing Mary coming upon Mary, just like the Holy Spirit hovered over the waters there at creation, the Holy, the, hovered over the earth at the creation, the Holy Spirit comes upon Mary in that way, and it is the work of the Holy Spirit, therefore He should be called holy, that prevents transmission of sin from Mary to Jesus. She's a sinner, and she will have to believe in Jesus in order to be saved, just like anybody else. So He will not become be unholy because of Joseph's sin, because that's not His biological father, and not because of Mary's sin, because the Holy Spirit's preventing transmission of sin from Mary, because he's been born of a virgin, because of the, Holy, of the Holy Spirit's work. So he's the Savior of men. He's the Savior of men because he is sinless. He is perfect. And often I'll ask people when they're wanting to be baptized and so forth, and I'll, uh, I'll say, do you, have you sinned? Yeah, I, I've sinned. Do you believe... Jesus is the Savior of the world. Do you believe He can take away your sin? Yes. Do you believe Jesus ever did anything wrong? Do you believe He ever sinned? And occasionally there's a little bit of a hesitation there. And occasionally there's even the wrong answer. 
Well, I can't say he didn't do anything wrong. Well, at that point, I know the person is not quite yet ready and understood the magnitude of who Christ is and how sinful they are. They're not yet ready to be baptized at that point. So we talk some more later on. He's the Savior of men because He alone is holy. He's sinless. Secondly, He's the Son of God. What child is this? What, what, what child is called holy? Not your children and not your grandchildren. Jesus is. He's the Savior of men is called holy. And the Son of God is called holy. In fact, it says He's holy, the Son of God. Here's another question for you about the virgin birth that might come to mind. Why couldn't Jesus have, have been conceived normally? Why, why the virgin birth? Why couldn't he have been conceived normally with a, unit, a physical human between Mary and Joseph? And then the Holy Spirit still, couldn't the Holy Spirit still have prevented transmission of sin from Joseph and from Mary? So why did he, why the virgin birth? I mean, is the Holy Spirit so powerful to prevent Mary's sin from getting, you know, Jesus being infected with Mary's sin? Why not prevent him from being infected with Adam's sin? Because he's the son of God. That's right, Donnie. You want to come on up here and preach for me this morning? Yeah, I'm just taking out teasing you, brother. Uh, that's right. By being fully God, he is able to not only cleanse us of our sin because he's holy, but he's also able to supply our righteousness. It says in Luke, Luke chapter 1, verse 32, it also says this. Look at it in your Bible. He will be great and will be called what? Son of the Most High. He's the Son of God. He's the Holy Son of God. And by being this Holy One who's existed before, before the world ever began, He is the One who is without sin and can supply our righteousness. So that when we stand in front of God one day, our sin's not just been forgiven, but God looks upon us and sees us with as righteous as Himself. Isn't that incredible to think? That God looks upon each one of us who are in Christ Jesus not only as sinless, but as righteous. Right? This is, therefore, he had to be born not just as a man who had, could not sin and didn't have a sin nature, but he has to be the man God. He has to be God who comes with righteousness as well, not just a blank slate of no sin, but he comes as God who is completely righteous, and he says, I'm giving it all to you who trust in my Son. I'm going to declare you righteous. When I look at you, I don't see your past drug addiction. And I don't look at you and I see how you treated your wife yesterday. And that's how I'm going to feel about you. When I look at you through faith in Christ, God says, I see you just like I see myself. Now that's amazing good news. And it is not me just making it up. That's what scripture says. He becomes, we are the righteousness of God in Him. We have a righteousness that comes from God because He's holy. He's the Son of God. Amen? Therefore, He provides this righteousness. Why was a birth necessary at all then? I mean, if He could come, why didn't Jesus just kind of just show up and there not be a birth? And here He is. He's God. Well, He had to suffer for our sins. He had to have a body prepared for Him. Hebrews chapter 11, or chapter 10, verses 4 through 10 describe that. A body needed to be prepared for Jesus. You see, God didn't just show up here on the earth and not, not be born because God cannot suffer. God is spirit, right? Jesus comes to earth, the incarnation, He takes on flesh. He must have a body, and in that body, the 
creator of the universe will suffer. The Son of God will suffer. That's why He doesn't just show up here on the earth and take care of everything. He must be born of a virgin. He must have a body. He must be sinless. He's the Son of God. And He must have a body so that He can suffer for our sins. He was born to die. He's the Savior of men. He's the Son of God. What child is called holy? He's the sovereign King. Look with me in your Bible in in verse 32. See, these are the things, if you look back in verse 30, He's telling Mary about this baby. Let's just start back in verse 30 again. Are you looking at your Bible? The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall call His name Jesus. He's the Savior of men. Verse 32, He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. He's the Son of God. Who is this child called holy? Number three, And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he'll reign over the house of Jacob. This is verse 33. Forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. He, this child, what, what child is called holy? The Savior of men, the Son of God, and the Sovereign King. The Sovereign Promised King. Here in this passage of Scripture, you see how it describes it in verse 31 and 32? He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There will be no end. He will reign on, on the throne of his father David. This is what was promised to King David in 2 Samuel chapter 7. If you remember the story, David was king of Israel, but he was not a perfect king. He was not a holy king. You remember Bathsheba, the incident, and so many other things as well. And as he sat upon his throne, he was in this house of cedar that he lived in, and yet the ark of God, the ark of the covenant, was in a tent of curtains. It was in a tent. And he wanted God to have a permanent structure, and he planned on building God a house for it. And God said to him, Listen, I don't need a house to dwell in. I created the whole earth. Heaven's my throne, earth's my footstool. I don't need a house. If I needed a house, I'd tell you to build me a house. And as it is, I'm not going to let you build a house, but one of your descendants will. But let me tell you this. I'm going to build you a house, David. Not a physical house. I'm going to build you a dynasty. One of your descendants, he says in 2 Samuel chapter 7, is always going to be on the throne of Israel. So this, folks, is simply the, the, the promise that the Jews have looked, looked to and sadly still do look to. The promise of the coming Messiah. He's being promised this king that will come from David who will always reign on the throne forever. Notice it says in verse 33, He will reign over the house of David. How long? How, over the house of Jacob. How long? Forever. And of his kingdom there will be what? No end. So this is an eternal king. This is a sovereign king. Just by the nature of being king means he's a sovereign. But this is a sovereign king. This is one whose reign will never come to end. That's why this child is called holy, the son of God. He's legally qualified to be a descendant, or excuse me, to reign on the throne of David because he's a physical descendant of David through Joseph. Joseph will later adopt Jesus, and in that day to legally adopt someone would be to bring him into your family. So he's legally considered an heir of, of David and therefore legally qualified to be a descendant of, of to be on the throne of David and to be the Messiah. So nobody can look at his lineage and say, no, he's not qualified. But it also says that he will reign forever. Some thought Solomon would be this promised king because Solomon was such a great and successful king, but at the end of his life, 
The Bible says he loved many strange women. He got involved in idolatry and his heart was turned away and Solomon died. There were many descendants of David after that, some like King Josiah and others who were Hezekiah, who were great kings and had very uh, uh, profound reigns as king. Godly reigns as king for the most part. I say for the most part, but they were not holy. And they died. And Jesus comes. He's born of a virgin. He lives a sinless life. And He dies, but He does not die because of our sin, of His sin. He dies because of our sin. And he raises, He's raised again three days later because He's the sovereign King. And now He lives and reigns from heaven. He reigns over cancer in your body. He reigns over marital strife. He reigns over this church. He reigns over all things in this world. He is the Savior of men, the Son of God, and the sovereign King. Now, who wants a king? I mean, we live in America. We, we like democracy, right? We don't want a king. We don't want a monarchy. I like what C.S. Lewis said about democracy. I, and I'm, by the way, I'm thankful for democracy to give that clarity because it's necessary. Just as C.S. Lewis said, the real reason for democracy is Mankind is so fallen that no man can be trusted with unchecked power over his fellows. The reason we have democracy is we just can't trust anybody to be king with unchecked power, right? So we have democracy. Politicians lie. They don't tell the truth. They make promises they don't keep or won't keep or can never keep because they're not holy. But we can trust this king. We want this king. We don't want a democracy Spiritually, we want a king. We want to be part of his kingdom because he's holy. He's perfect. His rule and reign are always right. He's made some tremendous promises to us. And if God be for us, who can be against us? Everything he promises he will do will happen. He says to you who are trusting in Jesus that no man can pluck you out of his hand. Well, brother, you can trust in that. Amen. Well, here's a couple points of application before I close this morning. Since Jesus is the child called holy, there's two things that, at least two things in this text I see that we need to do. Number one, since Jesus is the child called holy, you must trust in Jesus alone to do God-sized things. Trust in Jesus alone to do God-sized things. Now, Wednesday night during Awana, I went downstairs in the basement to where our little little kids were at, about 15 of them, called the Cubbies. And I was down there with Marcia and the rest that are so faithful to work with them. And, and they were doing some game, kind of like pin the tail on a donkey, except it was pin the tail on a snowman or something. I don't know what it was. And I was getting ready to leave, and Marcia said, Come here, Pastor Steve. I thought, great, I didn't leave soon enough. And so I got down on my knees like this, and they, they put a blindfold on me, and they spun me around a little bit. And when they put that blindfold on me, one of the kids said, Does he have x-ray vision? And I said, No, I don't have x-ray vision. And they found out after that I wasn't too good at that game, and I don't. Sometimes we may think that people in our life can, can just do anything. That... And we expect them to be able to, they have these superpowers about themselves and people let us down. 
sometimes people think their power, their, their pastors, Superman, can just do anything, expect everything. Sometimes I can be guilty of expecting too much of my congregation. Sometimes our dad will let us down. Or sometimes your children will let you down. We forget that these people are not holy. Jesus alone is the sovereign king. Jesus alone is without sin. But we're sinners. And I think what happens a lot of time in our life is we, we misplace all of that and, and we become disappointed with people because we've got our minds off Jesus Christ. He alone can do all things. He, he does see everything has x-ray vision, so to speak. He alone knows everything. He can do everything just right. This doesn't mean that we shouldn't expect certain things of our spouse or our children or our pastor or of our congregation or of a friend. Yeah, there are expectations we have of one another, but understand, they are not holy. We are sinful. What that means is we need to be a real real quick to forgive and real gracious to one another when we see imperfections in one another's lives. And if Jesus is the one that can do all things, trust in Jesus alone to do God-sized things, that means we really need to nurture our relationship with Jesus, don't we? In prayer and in His Word, folks. Staying close to Jesus. Trust in Jesus alone to do God-sized things. And by the way, the reason I say that, if you look in your Bible, it says this. This is what Jesus said to Mary about all these things about what this child is called holy. Look at your Bible. Verse 36, Behold, your, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month when her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Jesus is God. Trust alone in Jesus to do God-sized things. Trust alone in Jesus to do God-sized things. And nurture that. Look to Him. And we see God, we've seen Jesus do God-sized things in our church family. I'm looking around and seeing people. And some of you thought this spouse or this friend that's here this morning sitting with you or close to you here in this congregation somewhere, maybe you thought to yourself, that person will never get saved. That person will never change. And look what God has done. You can't change them, but God can. Jesus alone can do all things. Healing people, sometimes simply sustaining us in our loneliness or things that we're going through. Trust in Jesus alone to do God-sized things. Number two, trust in Jesus even when you don't understand. Trust in Jesus even when you don't understand. We see this in Mary's response in the last verse, so just look with me. Mary said, Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You notice Mary's response? She's just been told that she's going to have a baby, yet she's not going to be with a man. Now think about that for a minute. Think about the culture that day and how they would have responded. Probably some of them wanting to stone her. Remember how Joseph was going to respond before the angel appeared to him. Of the stigmatism she would have as an unmarried woman with a baby who was engaged to a man, that she had been unfaithful. All these things perhaps going through her mind. And then this mystery being told to her, the way it's going to happen, she says, how will this be, right? In verse 34, how this be since I'm a virgin and well, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. Just imagine what was going through her mind. Yet she says, 
by the grace of God, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. I don't, the point is, I don't think Mary completely understood how all this was going to happen. She just trusted the Lord. She trusted the Lord that she's actually going to be able to be pregnant and conceive without the aid of a man. And she trusted the Lord that he was going to protect her from being stoned to death and sustain her from the ostracism she might experience because of the culture in which she lived. And so the applicational point right here for us, knowing that the one we serve that can do all things, that loves us, we need to trust in him. Trust in Jesus even when we don't understand. Just like Tim communicated in his testimony this morning and in the songs that he was singing. Trust in Jesus when we don't understand. I was thinking about this passage of Scripture this morning and these things, and I'm reminded of a, an old hymn. We don't sing it so often anymore, but, but it reminded me of the... Just, just who Christ is and how we need to cling to Him. Remember this old hymn? There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. None else could heal all our souls' diseases. No, not one. No, not one. Jesus knows all about our struggles. He will guide till the day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. Hey, folks, I've got some wonderful friends in my church family. I'm married to a wonderful wife, but I don't have any friend like Jesus. There's not one like him. There's none that are holy. He alone can do all things. He alone's the one I need to look to to complete me and nobody else ultimately. Right? I love this old hymn. It says, No friend like him is so high and holy. Right? So we've been preaching about this morning. No, not one. No, not one. No, not so dark. Or excuse me, yet no friend is so meek and lowly. He's high and holy, yet no friend is so meek and lowly. Right? No, not one. No, not one. There's not an hour that He is not near us, right? Even when you're in the hospital thinking you're going to have a stroke or die because your blood pressure is so high, right? There's not an hour that He is not near us. No, not one hour. No, not one. No, not so dark. When your spouse has died and you're lonely, you don't think, and you just realize this is never going to end this new normal. There's no not so dark that He is not near us. No, not one. No, not one. No, not so dark, but His love can actually cheer us. No, not one. No, not one. So I can be comforted and sustained and even have joy with tears running down my face. Because this is who the baby Jesus is. He's not just some little baby in a manger that we coddle over this time of year. He's the Savior of the world. He's the Son of God. He's the Sovereign King of my life. Did ever, did ever a saint find this friend forsake him? No, not one. No, not one. Or sinner find that this Jesus would not take him? No, not one. Whoever would call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Was there a gift like the Savior given? Was there ever a gift? Was there ever a gift like the Savior given? No, not one. No, not one. Will He refuse us the bliss of heaven? No, 
Not one. No, not one. Heaven is your home if you're trusting in the free gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's available to every single person. There's no one, no, not one, who would admit that they've sinned against God and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, that He would not save them from their sins and give them His righteousness and begin to make them a new person in Christ. So if you're here this morning, first of all, I would say to you, if you're here this morning and you're not sure if you're a believer, a true believer, it's the most important question you could ever ask yourself. Am I trusting alone in Jesus Christ for my salvation? He's the Savior of men. Only He can save you. And for the rest of us that are believers, I want to encourage you, keep looking to Him. This Savior is the Son of God. And when He came here, He walked on water, and He said to the blind, receive your sight. He said to demons, get out of them. He said to the winds and waves, be quiet, and they were still right. This is the sovereign King who keeps His promises. This is the one who can do all things. Keep trusting in Jesus. Let's pray the Lord right now. Father, I thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the beauty of who Christ is and what He has done for us. We thank You for the free and precious and gracious promises that have been given to us who trust in Jesus. We would ask, Lord, that if there are unbelievers here this morning or hearing this sermon, Lord, I pray that, I pray, Father, that you would grant grace that their eyes would be opened and ears opened, Lord, so they hear this gospel message, that it would penetrate their hearts and change them. Lord, we ask, God, that in the midst of our own trying circumstances and challenges that we face, and Lord, that we would seek to nurture our relationship with you, that we wouldn't wait till make New Year's resolutions on January the 1st that we're really going to start getting close to you and praying and reading our Bibles, that we would do that today. Lord, we pray for our unsaved neighbors and friends that they would come to know Christ. And Father, that you would work in us in such a way that we would know you and be sustained by you, Lord, and, and be filled with joy because of who you are and what you've done, that we couldn't help but talk to them about Jesus. So, Lord, make us a missional people for your name's sake. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand right now together and let's sing together this, this uh, wonderful song about who our Jesus is. Let's stand together and sing if you'd like to come this time and pray about anything at all. I can talk with you or you can come and just pray. You come and do as the Lord have you do right now.
Savior. Amen, church. Let's go out and find somebody and slosh over on them. Let's tell them about who Christ is. Invite folks to come with you to our Christmas Eve service uh, on the uh, on Christmas Eve at 5 o'clock, but also our breakfast next Sunday at 9 and, and our service next Sunday. Uh, we will have service this evening, so come back and worship with us as we continue the Apostles' Creed study. The youth have their meetings and so forth. Brother Eric Bramlett, one of our deacons, is going to close us in prayer this morning. What a great morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the simple gospel this morning. What a simple message. But there's so many things buried deep in that word that are just beyond our comprehension. We just thank you for your majesty, your glory. We thank you for the fact that we know that you are control, that simply by putting our faith in you, our trust in you, that all things are for your glory. Please be with us now as a church body. Help us be mindful of each and everything that has been presented today in the gospel, that none of us are perfect, only Christ is holy. Thank you for all your blessings and each and everything you do for us throughout the day. It's in Christ's name. Amen. What is the gospel? It all begins with God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created the first man, Adam, and the first woman, Eve, to rule over the garden. God told them they could eat from any tree that they wanted to in the garden except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Everything was perfect in the garden. They had a perfect relationship with the land, a perfect relationship with each other, a perfect relationship with God until they chose to rebel against God and eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it brought about separation between them and God. Man has always tried to bridge the separation on his own terms and in his own strength. Whether it's building a ladder of morality and trying to be good enough for God, or even in the Old Testament example, when men built a tower into the heavens trying to reach God on their own. A more contemporary example comes from 1961, when the Russians were first successful in sending a man into outer space. Upon returning, the Russian cosmonaut remarked, We have been to space, and we didn't find God or heaven there. A popular professor and author, C.S. Lewis, responded to the Russian cosmonaut. He said that looking for God in outer space is kind of like Hamlet, one of the characters in Shakespeare's plays, looking for Shakespeare in the attic of his home. Lewis said that for Hamlet to have a relationship with Shakespeare, Shakespeare would literally have to write himself into the story. That is the gospel. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The gospel is the account of God writing himself into human history. Almost 2,000 years ago, the Bible says that Jesus, in fulfillment to Old Testament prophecies, was born of a virgin. Even as a child, he lived a perfect life. 
At the age of 30, he began his public ministry. He attracted followers. For three years, he taught, he healed, and he made bold claims, such as saying that he alone was the only way to God. The religious and political leaders did not like these teachings. They invoked a riot against Jesus. They brought about false accusations leading to a trial and to a sentencing of death by public crucifixion. The Bible says that while Jesus hung on the cross, that God placed all of the sin of all of mankind on Jesus. Jesus hung on the cross as our substitute. God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. They took Jesus down from the cross and they put him in a tomb. They rolled a large stone at the entrance of the tomb so no one could get in or out. There were Roman soldiers who were posted on guard to keep people from coming to take Jesus's body. But on the third day, according to scripture, he rose again. After being seen by many eyewitnesses and giving instruction to his followers, he ascended back into the heaven where he now sits at the right hand of God and serves as our advocate before the Father. So what does this have to do with you? The Bible says that we have all sinned and that we all fall short of God's standard of holiness. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is no way to get rid of the burden of sin on our own. God calls all men everywhere to believe in Christ, repent of sins, and trust Christ to live a new life. As we look back and believe in what God has done through the crucifixion, the burial, and the resurrection, as we repent and turn from our sins, as we trust Jesus as our Savior and Lord, we have peace with God and the forgiveness of sins. So let's review. It all begins with God. Because of our sin, we are separated from God. The gospel is the account of God writing himself into human history. Jesus died in our place for our sins and rose again on the third day. As we believe in Christ, repent from our sins, and trust Jesus for new life, we have peace with God and forgiveness of sins. That is the gospel. 